Hello, welcome to episode 184 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, we actually just finished watching the Utah Jazz versus uh, Dallas Mavericks game. Um, for those of you that have, well, I assume you know by now because it's all over Twitter, um, if you are on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so Dallas or yeah, Luca came back and the Jazz won. Um, that was interesting. And, uh, okay, with that out of the way, um, Today, we're going to be talking about, uh, I guess, the five worst losses uh, of, of the season. I have five this time. Yeah, I, I actually got that right. And Fong has five. But uh, I have a bunch of honorable mentions, and the list is basically a total of 11. So, you know, they're, they're, we had to dig through a lot of shit to, to come up with this list. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I had why, about 10 at first, but... Yeah, I had to cut it down to five because it, it, it it's just there's so many. It, it was hard for me to actually cut it down. There's one game I'll talk I'll open up with late. Well, not open up with when we get to the honorable mentions, I'll tell you the game I had to cut out. But that was a tough cutout because like it, there's just so many of them. And like I, 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 it was almost impossible for me to like nail it down to just five. Oh, uh, yeah. And some of these losses too. I felt like I missed as well, but for some reason, my memory can't serve me right when it comes to some of these losses because it's like, you just want to forget them sometimes. Oh, don't you worry. I got a pretty good memory about these things, unfortunately. When I was going through the box, stories came back to my mind and stuff like that. So yeah, all right, hit me with your first one. So my first one is on November 19th, 2021 against Toronto. This was actually the game that we went to. if you don't remember, uh, Owen, uh, I was pretty disappointed throughout the game after pretty much, I guess, the first or second quarter because Toronto was pretty much rolling on us in a way. Uh, in terms of, you know, <clears throat> players from the Kings, I mean, our stars did pretty well. They, uh, you know, Fox was playing. Pretty much everyone was healthy, you know, at the time of uh, us playing against Toronto at home. Uh, but you know, to, Pascal Siakam, man, oh man, he he went ten for twelve. That's he was crazy. All those transition points, and you know, our at the time, our transition defense, and you know, still is is still god awful. I mean, it wasn't like it's sure there were a lot of transition buckets that were like bad, but. Like, Pascal Siakam was absolutely unstoppable. I believe this was either, like, his first game back or, like, his second game back. Mm-hmm. And he destroyed Harrison, unfortunately. Like, it was, he just got to his spot and then just shot essentially over Harrison and looked amazing. And that's when I realized, yeah, the Kings ain't, gonna, ain't getting them. <laughs> but, like, yes, he was he was amazing this game. And the Kings just never really had a chance. They had a little bit of a spark at the beginning of the game, like, you know, getting some pick sixes. But other than that, like, it was all bad after the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, I always have to mention, buddy, free for 12, all of a sudden from free. Uh, you know, Raptors rebounding was infinitely better as well. We played per- pretty small in a way against them because they have a pretty big team. <laughs> Yeah, like I I always say, like the Raptors basically have a blunt have three three small ball fives, um, Gary Trent and uh, 
Gary Trent and what's his name? Fred Van Vliet. And then off the bench, they got like six nine. Was it Danilo Bantam? I forgot his first name, but like, you know, he's a six eight, but like ball handler. They're just big. And then they have like, I think Chris, did Chris Boucher start? Chris Boucher, uh, no. No, he did not. Okay, so like you have Chris Boucher coming off the bench. It's it's just so much length, and like the, the this is unfortunately where the Kings were this season. They just didn't have the IQ to really attack it because the next game, like the Golden State showed you how to do it. Like you have to do quick passes. Like you have to attack certain spots. But the Kings just weren't able to like you know attack this really aggressive defense because the Raptors' length, like against unfortunately lower tier teams, shitty teams. They they will crush you with their pressure and length. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, do you have anything else about that game? If not, I'll go to my first one. Yeah. I, to be honest, we have so much that I think we should just keep on keep on rolling. If you know what I mean. Okay. Well, let me start with my first one. Versus the Sixers, November twenty second, three days after uh, the Raptors game. That, so this was the first game after Luke Walton got fired. Remember when Luke Walton was the problem? Like, everybody rejoice. Uh, there were people online that were saying, oh my God, Alvin made an adjustment. Oh my God, we're gonna win the game. We're gonna win the game right now in the fourth. And they lose. It turns out Luke Walton probably wasn't the problem. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, the, the thing that was really disappointing about this game, Sixers were missing their entire starting lineup. This was their starting lineup. Ty- Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thybul, Furkan Korkmaz, George Niang, Drummond. No, no Ben Simmons, uh, no Seth Curry, no Danny Green, no Tobias Harris, no Joel Embiid. No problem <laughs> is the model of this one. And yeah, so I just named you the starting five. Their sixth man was Sh- Shake Milton. He played like 34 minutes. Um, interesting little tidbit. I didn't realize that the, this at the time. Halliburton didn't score this game. Oh, yeah. five. I mean, he got nine assists. Nine I mean, assists, yes. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> but that's the front. I just like looking back at some of like, like I look at some of De'Aaron's like stat lines from these games. They're fine for the most part. They're not great, but like the fact that he gets criticized, like he got criticized a lot this year, and up until like the you know second half of the season where he turned it up. But like you look at some of Halliburton's games, and he was bulletproof. Like, I, I, of course, he's gone now, and it feels like I'm shit shitting on a guy because he's not here anywhere. But, like, I think Halliburton should have gotten a little bit more criticism for just not shooting as much. And, like, five, like five, yeah, sure, no points, but only five field goals? Like, he needs more. Yeah, for some reason, looking at the bot score, it seemed like he should have had more, uh, whatchamacallit, attempts. But I, I can't remember for the life of me, but, yeah, it, he should have done something in terms of offense. Um, Tyrese Maxey, like, while he didn't shoot well, I think 8 for 22, if I remember, if I remember right, he outplayed mm. Fox this game, I thought. Like, he was just effective. He was shot 8 for 22, but it literally felt like he never missed. Like, he was real. Like, he's, like, super fast. He's actually very reminiscent of, like, Fox. Maybe not as fast, but, like, you know, hyper quick and, like, can shoot. It, it Like, in a, in a game where, you know, they were missing, like, all their guys like Tyrese Maxey stepped up and it felt like Fox didn't oh yeah and you can't forget Andre Drummond 23 rebounds just for himself so this was interesting like I was expecting the Sixers to destroy us like overall on the rebounds but Kings actually out rebounded the Sixers this game I did not realize that 
Oh yeah, I, I need to check back. Let's see, there's second chance points. I, I I believe there's second chance points. I think it was the same. I think it was, it was four. It? I think it was four. It wasn't that much, if I remember right. But wow. Uh, okay. But check check it for me if you it, check it for me. But like, yes, the Kings actually out rebounded them. But there was this was a distinctive memory I have. Holmes had zero rebounds in the fourth because he just got you know out muscled by Andre Drummond. And I we make fun of Andre Drummond a lot on this on this podcast. But Drummond's been good this year. Like. You know, he's just a big body. He's playing his role. And yeah, he's just, he's just a big ass dude. Like, he's huge. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm still trying to look it up. But yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, while you do that, I'll just talk about. So the game like changed. Uh, the Kings got a nine point lead like late in the fourth or yeah, around the midway, midway point of the fourth. Like, they looked like they were rolling. And. Buddy Heel get gets the pass, I believe, from Halliburton and takes a quick transition three. I didn't mind the shot at the time, although I would have liked for them to run some offense, like you know, in hindsight. But he jacks up a quick three, misses. Uh, I forget. I think it was I forgot who scored, but somebody scored. It was either like Niang or maybe um, Maxi. They score and then they come back down. Uh, Marvin launches an open, but you know, quick three. He misses and then another score, and then all of a sudden it's a five point lead. And, you know, the throat gets a little tight. And unfortunately, the Kings just kind of collapse from there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry about this because my internet's kind of slow. I don't know. Yeah, why. Whatever, whatever. Don't don't worry about it. Um, it, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't a big difference, if I remember right. But ultimately, this was the wake-up call for the Kings that, you know, Luke wasn't really the problem. The players were. Yeah, they, they just weren't connected. They just can't. They basically could. This will be a theme, but like, they couldn't. Like, they just can't like take care of business against bad teams. And you know, without their entire starting lineup, this was a pretty bad team for the most part. But like, they just came in with it. They came in and played with purpose, and they and they got the win. And the Kings did not. So, yes, this was the realization. Yeah, maybe Luke wasn't the problem. <laughs> yeah, and maybe Alvin isn't the answer, as I had mm. said. Yeah, I mean it's already too late to be honest for this season too. And, and it, this is—I'm not, not saying any of this is Alvin's fault. He, it's like he inherited an absolute mess. A bunch of players that have been, you know, just completely demoralized and kind of quit on themselves. Like, sh- sure, he wasn't the answer, but he, Alvin, wasn't the problem, and neither was Luke. And and this was just a wake-up call. Like the Kings just, they're just not, they're mentally fragile. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Would you have said it was a lost season at that point? I didn't think so. It was not a good start. Like, I think at, th- at that point, we were at least in the play in, if I remember right. But, like, yeah. you know, like, you know, you always had time to turn it around. Like, it was early in the season. Oh, yeah. And, you know, other teams, especially, you know, Minnesota and uh, let's see who else, pretty much. The West was pretty stacked enough, and you know, a couple teams that made into play that we did expect, like Pelicans and Minnesota, you know, turned it up towards the end. So it's hard to, you know, determine how uh, well, uh, you know, we would have, you know, expected us to get into the play. In I mean, we we should have gotten we should have gotten into the play. Let me let me just check something real quick. The Pelicans, they won thirty six games. In, during that time, yeah, no, thirty-six games total. Oh, 
Like, you tell me we couldn't have gotten to 36? Like, yeah, no, this team underperformed. It, that's just how it, that's just the reality. Like, talk, talk like, I, I said, like, these teams have talent, but remember, New Orleans started terrible. And hell, Minnesota wasn't that far, like, ahead of us at that point. They actually started terrible. And like, you know, we had a chance to turn it around. We just didn't. And those guys, and those guys, they figured it out. We didn't. Mm-hmm. And there, and here we are outside the playoffs. Oh yeah. Not even in the play-in. Like that's how bad it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I guess my second game would be against Portland on January 9th, uh, twenty twenty-two. You know, Portland didn't have Willard or McCollum. We pretty much had everyone else healthy besides Rashawn Holmes. I forgot. If this was his first injury, I'm I'm pretty sure it's his first injury or second. I I forgot. He's in uh, January, right? So probably second. Hmm. Yeah. So you know the bench really didn't come out to play. In my opinion, it was a little slump when it came to the second unit. Uh, definitely, Blazers hit a lot more threes, especially uh, from Andy Simons. Man, he hit seven for eleven this game. Yeah, you know, coming into this game, you, at Nurk, Nurk played, right? Yes. Coming into this game, there were two guys you had to worry about. You know, they didn't have Norman Powell. They didn't have Damian Lillard. They didn't have CJ McCollum. There's two guys you had to worry about. His name, Their names were Anthony Simons and Yusef Nurkic. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, do whatever the hell you want with them. And the the most annoying thing about watching this game, the Kings just could, could not key in on Anthony Simons. And this is kind of one of the reasons why I advocate like Davion to start next year because you can neutral you can for the most part neutralize a guy like Anthony Simons if you just play put Davion on him and just make things tough on him, putting De'Aaron on him who just unfortunately I will still believe that he is a he can be a good defender was just lack of days just didn't bring the intensity and just the one guy the two well the two guys but like the one guy who destroyed us this game like you, you just have to focus on him and then and then the blazers were done for but no they just let him get to his spots let him you know pull up from three let him do whatever the hell he wanted and it was an l against a very beatable team and the kings were not able to take advantage yeah and i don't remember davion guarding Anthony that much because you know every time uh, he comes in, Anthony goes out, uh, the bench, you know, Blazers bench comes in and, you know, there's that in terms of whatever offensive defense we could have come up with. But offensively, we didn't show up in terms of our bench. Yeah, it was just a, it was just a bad overall game. I remember being very frustrated watching it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ben McLemore was starting of all people. And he did pretty well in the first half, just really slowed down in the second. I mean, like, he's not a guy that could create a shot, but, like, you know, Anthony Simons created it for him, and, like, you know, when he was open, he knocked it down. Mm-hmm. So, good on play, McLemore. Oh, yeah. I wonder, if is he still in the Blazers? I believe so. If they keep him, I don't know if they're going to keep him next year. I don't I don't know his contract status. Uh, yeah. I mean, always support the former Kings. Always support him. Um, should I move on to my game? Yes, please. Okay, uh, Lakers, November 30th. Now, we had some great wins against the Lakers this year. We also had a very, very bad one. And unfortunately, I'm going to I'm gonna talk about the bad one. Uh, the Kings, 
uh, faced the Lakers in Golden One Center on the on November 30th. The Kings led by double digits for most of this first half and led by 14 with 9.59 to go in the third. They were playing defense. They were forcing turnovers. They were playing beautiful basketball. Like, ball was moving. They were hitting the roll, man. They were getting transition buckets. Chemezi Metsu is doing shimmies on Anthony Davis for a fadeaway. It was beautiful. So I just mentioned they were they led by 14 at 9.59. They, 9.59. Let me check the score really quickly. Um, talk, talk while I do that. So, yeah, looking at the bot score, I got to say, you know, our stars uh, showed up in a way. Jaren, surprisingly. Most of, most of that was in the first half. I'll just let you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Rashawn, 12 for 12. I mean, Rashawn was amazing. Rashawn is bulletproof in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Fox, I don't know. He only shot nine uh, field goals this game, which is kind of interesting. I expected a little more, uh, especially, you know, going against the Lakers with like, absolutely no sort of defense I could see from their uh, lineup. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it seemed like a pretty standard game for um, the Kings. Uh, the bench again kind of had a you know, that kind of night in terms of offense. Uh, Buddy Heald, of course, with one for seven from the field goal. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Davion, three for 14. If I remember, this was during the time when Davion was still, you know, uh, testing the waters in terms of offense, uh, you know, he he, he was led. very hit or miss, like during yeah. a lot of games. Like, he's either hit because the shots he takes are like mid range jumpers, and some days they go in, some days they just don't. And this is how it is. In this yeah. game, they didn't go in. It was also the, during the time where he didn't really pass that much as well. He only had two assists this game, and you know, he could have allocated some of his shots to other guys, but we didn't really have the bench to do much but you know going against the Lakers I mean anything could happen uh, if I remember correctly this was also the game where Dwight Howard like pummeled us in terms of both offense and you know rebounds as well this was de- this was indeed the game yes mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah okay so at 9.59 the, King, or the Kings led 66 to 52 the Lakers would go on a 65 and 26 run for the rest of the game. Yes, the Kings scored 26 more points after this. There were uh, over there were 14 minutes of game left. Or no, what is that? No. There were 20 22 yeah, 22 minutes worth of game left and the Kings scored 26 points the rest of the way. With an incredible mix of bad offense and god awful defense. Um, Malik Monk kept kept the Lakers close, like in the first half. Like he had a he had the half court uh, shot that cut the lead to nine to end the to end the half. He was he was lights out after that. Like he just absolutely he, he loves playing the Kings. He's one he's one of like he's one of those shooting guards that just always salivates, always gets amped up to play the Kings because they know they know they can't. He knows that they can't really guard him, so he's gonna just get his shots off and just do his thing. Uh, you you just mentioned Dwight Howard just absolutely pumped the Kings on the boards. Like it just felt like he got every offensive board out there. How how many offensive boards did he have? Just five. Just five. It felt like ten. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean he had the most in the whole uh, squad, but in general, I mean thirteen rebounds as a bench player, man, that's crazy. 
uh, Russ and AD like woke up in the second half as well. Like their stats are act, their stats are okay for the most part, but like they really woke up. Like Russ especially started to dominate and just started to do his thing. And AD, you know, he's one of he used to be one of the best players. He probably still is, and he started to look like it. Um, Holmes was the as I said the only king that played well really in the second half. Twelve for twelve from the field. This was his first game back, by the way, and he ended up with twenty seven and eight rebounds. And I had said to you, I think during the game, saying, you know, the like he's playing his heart out, and these other motherfuckers are not. Like he should go to the front office and ask for a trade right now because, <laughs> god damn, he had to do so much, and like guys, the guys just weren't doing their part. Um, yeah, everyone else on the Kings was pretty terrible one way or the other in the second half. Yeah, the box score kind of lies. The, the Kings were so bad in the second half. Like all their store, all their stats basically were all accrued at first. Yeah, which is all. Yeah, it's too bad. Yes, and this was also the game where Lakers fans overtook the Golden One Center. They were chanting Lakers, and yeah, Kings fans left early, and basically for most of the fourth quarter, it was just Lakers fans cheering for their team. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go on to your next game. All right. My dirt game, and I believe we have the same game. It's the Boston game on January 25th. Now, disclaimer, I did not watch this live. So all the highlights and, you know, bot scores doesn't reflect, uh, you know, what I think of this game. But I did, uh, you know, try to watch and look through the bot scores while I was at work. Uh, and it seemed like we did have any sort of offense throughout the whole game in my opinion okay so this is on my honorable mention so we'll cross that off but yes an all-time brick fest by the kings i like this so boston is an amazing defense now but at this point like they they were kind of they were very mad this was actually kind of the start of their crazy rise to the top to being one of the best teams in the league mm-hmm. and like the, watching the game it wasn't that much to actually do with Boston, but the Kings just could not hit shots. Like they, granted, like Boston did like force them to kind of shoot a lot of mid-range shots, granted open, I think. But yes, they just could not hit anything. They finished the game 30% from the field, 18% from three. And this was even more amazing. I actually have a screenshot from our notes actually during this game. Uh, at the 251 mark in the second quarter, Kings were shooting 21%, nine for 43, and 6% from three, one for 16. Jesus. Now, a few more stats is, well, this is, uh, you know, roughly the amount. Uh, Boston had tripled the amount of threes that the Kings had, doubled the amount of assists that the Kings had, and 22 more rebounds than the Kings had. Yeah, you know, when you don't hit shots, you don't get assists. Uh, like, even if you pass, you're not going to get the assists. Yeah. And, you know, when you miss a shot, the other team is going to grab the rebound. And also, it's not like it's not like Boston played amazing. They really, like, they scored 63 points, like, which isn't that crazy, honestly. 63 points and a half, that's, that's like, normal. Yeah. But they led by 33 because the Kings only scored 30 points in the first half. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, and, geez. And yes, like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown kind of had their way, but it's, it, the rest of the team were pretty meh for the most part. 
it was just that the like the Kings were playing absolutely terrible. That like in the first half, I don't think it ended up being a historic like game, but it's one of the worst shooting games of all time. Yeah, by the looks of it, it probably would be. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to say about this game? <laughs> no, I do not want to remember this game. Oh, well, you didn't watch it, so yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, next up, um, Cavs on December eleventh. So this was the game in Cleveland where there was a very distinctive stretch in the second quarter. Um, they let's see. So in the second quarter, at the end of the second quarter, from the, the three thirty nine mark, Cavs went on an eighteen four run. Now, this 18-4 run felt like 30-0 and zero because the, the Kings couldn't get good shots. They got smothered by the Cavs, and the Cavs just ran out on the fast break and absolutely pummeled the Kings. They literally ripped the soul out of the Kings because the Kings literally come back down, and one of the buckets that they make was from De'Aaron, and De'Aaron looked like he almost like, like scored the bucket out of hate, out of spite. Because, like, everyone else, like, you just look at their body language. They were completely dejected. No one, like, no one was even going to their spot. No one went to scream for him. And De'Aaron just just kind of throws up a shot and it happens to go in. Like, their soul was crushed. Like, literally just ripped out of their body. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. This was during the time where we also thought, you know, De'Aaron might not be the guy, right? I mean, I didn't, but... No, but... But, you know, a lot of uh, talks about, you know, trades and whatnot with uh, whether or not we're going to get rid of De'Aaron or or whoever. But, yeah, De'Aaron surprisingly didn't play well. Uh, He didn't draw as many fouls as... To be fair, no no one did. Like, (laughs) no one really played well this game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the starters for the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know pretty much just outscored us in every way possible and you know like the king like let me look at i mean halliburton played okay but like he wasn't he wasn't great this game either so like again just the the narrative that you know De'Aaron was like the problem i I thought i thought that was a silly i thought that was silly honestly but you know yeah like the starters just didn't have it the kings or the kings actually went on a second or second half run they actually got the game to a seven point game in the fourth quarter at one point like with a bench unit of davion and of all people buddy and td (laughs) and metu and jones like again like i will always have respect for metu and jones because those guys play like it's their it's their last opportunity and are guaranteed to play hard and that's what they did, and they managed to cut the lead all the way to seven and make the Cavs sweat a little bit until they were until they were finished off by Ricky Rubio, but of all people. <laughs> but yeah, so this was just a demoralizing game. It was frustrating to watch, just because again, the worst thing to, to ever watch on an, on any sports is when you see a team give up, and that's what the Kings did in the first half. They the starters just gave up. Like it was so bad, Alvin just pulled them. Like and then just put in that bench unit and that bench unit they kind of got them back into the game, so there you go. Yeah, none of the starters even played more than what, 25 minutes minimum, I'd say. Uh, besides Tyrese, what 26? But still, yeah, uh, Alvin really pulled them out early. Buddy, I gotta say, if I remember correctly, played deep. I I want to put this in quotes. 
decent defense <laughs> because you know he uh gambled a lot with his steals and surprisingly two blocks wow geez i mean uh, he's gonna he's gonna have games like that and you know if you can surround him like i guess with d- decent defenders like sure it could work some some nights but you're not surrounding but you're not changing your whole team for buddy heel that's just mm-hmm. this is how it is but like he he had his moment so we'll give him we'll give him some love for that mm-hmm. okay your next game all right my next game is against the nets on february 14th 2022 so let me go to my notes uh brooklyn pretty much didn't have Kyrie or durant and we pretty much had a fully healthy team uh, you know, with our new acquisitions of Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and uh, I always forgot his Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb, yeah. For some reason, ever since uh, he got here, he hasn't played too much. But a, I mean, a lot of it is because he's always injured. Um, yeah, that's uh, well, that's part of the reason. Also, let's not forget they they, they were missing Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty much another night where the offense wasn't really running well, uh, especially, you know, since we have Sabonis now and, you know, the offense always runs pretty well at uh, uh, ever since our acquisition with him. Uh, lots of transition plays, if I remember correctly, from Brooklyn where they just kept on getting steals or deflections and just running down the court and easily scoring in the other end. I don't really remember that. The only thing I really remember from this game is just the, the Kings couldn't make shots. Like they got you, you just talked about like good offense and good movement, but like they did that. They just couldn't hit shots. Yeah, and you know, pretty much the only uh, guys that uh, showed up this game was you know Fox, uh, Sabonis in a way because you know uh, actually. What am I saying? He only had two assists this game. That's very I, interesting. Well, you know, it's hard to get assists when your when your guys don't make shots. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, the, uh, in the net side, Seth Curry had what twenty three points. Uh, Bruce Brown, man, he he was pretty unstoppable in the paint with nineteen, and. The, the confusing thing always with me is like people say he can't shoot but it's one of those things when you play against the kings you just figure out how to shoot because like <laughs> he just because like they were leaving him open i was like why are they leaving him open like he's a shooter but and, but apparently he's not he's actually not a good shooter at all but just seems to always hit shots when he plays that plays the kings mm-hmm. and man this is another game where andre drummond was playing against us in a different team now that i think about it he had a had, monster block against uh, against um, Rashawn, and this was also the time where a lot of people were like, "What the hell's going on with Rashawn?" And uh, yeah, you, Rashawn did not really play well. Like, yeah, he, this was kind of like where the this was. Uh, of course, this was after the uh, Sabonis trade, and his role just completely changed. So I get it; it's tough. And yeah, like he was he was just off this game. Like it just didn't he didn't have his usual fieriness, you know. Yeah, I felt like uh, when we had Tyrese here, he had a lot more open looks. And, you know, the setup between Tyrese and Rashawn is second to none in terms of <laughs> his type of offense. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like, yeah, once Tyrese was gone, he didn't really have a, like, you know, a pick and roll partner, you know? And yeah, like Fox just isn't that kind of guy. And like, you know, even DiVincenzo, like there's, and, you know, his minutes got cut. So like he had to really start to, 
he had to really be able to make it make an impact in short spurts and he struggled to do that he was really he was pretty bad mostly like before the all-star break yeah which is too bad because uh, we might have to trade him yeah your piece probably gone this summer but like you can get something really good for him and you know like I'm just well, like he he has a trade kicker, so if he gets traded, he gets paid more. So there you go. Like you know, like we'll, we'll always we'll always appreciate him for his time here. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else about this game? Uh, nope. But honestly, I don't remember much about this game. It was a very insignificant game to me. It was just it was just one of those games I felt like Kings just couldn't make shots. Mm, I whatever, see. whatever <laughs> type thing. Okay, if you don't have anything, let me move to my fourth game. Uh, against the Pistons, January 19th, Kings were up 10 with 3.03 to go. Um, and then Cade would foul out uh, 30 seconds later. Um, and then, you know, at, as a, instead of just closing out the game by playing good defense and getting some crucial stops, they proceed to let the Pistons go on a 13-1 run, capped off by Corey Joseph game winner. Karma hits hard against Kings fans, doesn't it? <laughs> Okay, so fun little stat. I, I, so I can't confirm this. I believe this was the case. Pistons were the 29th ranked offense coming into this game. And the Kings proceed to let them shoot 51% from the field and 42% from three. Really? <laughs> I didn't know they were that bad in terms of offense. They were bad. Against the well, Kings, though, 15 for 36 from three. A lot of Sadiq Bay there. And uh, yeah. And that's a that's a stat. Uh, to be fair, the defense wasn't really much of a thing. King shot fifty two percent and forty four percent from three two. So, yeah, I'm I'm always gonna delegate Corey Joseph and Sadiq Bay as the Kings killer almost every single time we face against them. Other than that, Kelly Olynyk, oh my gosh, coming off the bench as well, eight for 17, 22 points. I, that's also another guy I didn't expect to. Do and look well at the plus minus us. plus twenty seven. Yeah, that that is ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> first game, first game back. It's just one of those something about Pistons because I remember Reggie Jackson one year, like first game back, destroyed the Kings for some reason. Yeah, hmm. I don't know. It's something about these guys, like like you said, it's always like a training camp for them when playing against the Kings. Yeah. Uh, however, on the Kings side, TD did have 30, 35 points and six rebounds, seven for thirteen from three. So. And Fox had a good game, 27, 6, and 8. Uh, Kings shot 44 free throws this game, but only made 31. I forgot this percentage. I think it was like 70%. Yeah. 70. 70%. You know, make a few free throws, you might win this game. Um, Barnes had 14 free throws, made 11. Uh, Sadiq Bey, you know, the Kings killer, 30 and 7 on 5 of 9 from 3. Also had a ridiculous 3, like, towards the end in that in that uh 13 and one run where he literally just chucked it and it went in so it was just one of those games and for some reason just always plays well against the kings and never misses from three. Oh yeah okay that's all i have for that game let's go to your i believe final game well my final game and i'm pretty sure it's also your one of your top worst losses in my in our opinions and that's against the knicks the Knicks. The Knicks. On March 7th, 2022. And my gosh, we we came out hot. That's that's all I can say. And then we let the new and we let New York come back. <laughs> 
we had a, a what is it a 20 point deficit and the Knicks ended up winning up 16 like that second half man it was all Julius Randle he could not miss from three <laughs> yes and you know there, there is a thing called the double team but like I remember I remember uh what's his face Rasheed Wallace uh talked about how LeBron couldn't play in our era and then conveniently forgetting he absolutely lit your guys lit their ass up in 2007 and i watched I, I remember watching that game and i was just the whole time i'm thinking this was the famous uh 25 points in a row um and i think 29 of the last 30 in uh for, in the fourth quarter in ot from lebron and like i'm watching that game i'm just thinking you, you know piston you you're allowed to double team him like 29 of the last 30 points there I, I wonder who's scoring the most you know and then 25 straight points like there's one guy scoring you're allowed to double team him this was one of those games like the kings finally started to double him in the fourth when it was too late and i was just wondering why didn't you guys just start doubling julius randall he's not he's not big he's not exactly a great passer like make someone else beat you and they just did. He, they just let him. They just let him do his thing. Take a bunch of step back threes, and of course, like they're they're okay shots for the most part. Like I I can live with them, but he did not miss. Yeah, and this was also the game where Julius Randle did not score anything in the second quarter. By the half, he only had thirteen points. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, for uh, thirteen points in the first quarter. That, that first is, quarter. Yeah. That, that is that is interesting, or uh, that is significant. And then ended up with. Jeez, oh, ended up with what? Forty-six points. Forty-six points to end the game. That's crazy. That, it, if anything, that would have solidified as a like a all-star. But <laughs> yeah, man, oh man. Yes, the 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 Knicks scored eighty-three. Hold on, I think it was eighty-four points in the sec, in the second quarter or in the second half. I have it written here. Yeah, eighty-three points in the second half to to the Kings is fifty-two. And the worst part about this game is that you 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 had just said the Kings started out amazing. They got Mitchell Robinson into foul trouble. They got Julius Randle into foul trouble, and the Knicks looked absolutely helpless. And then the second half started. They were up thirteen, if I remember right. And three, they they give up a three from Julius Randle. Okay, that's fine. Don't give them another open three. They give up an open three the next <laughs> the next possession. <laughs> and like it's just one of those games where, you know, it's just part of it is sure the, the Knicks got hot, but there needs to be a sense of urgency. It just felt like the Kings were just feeling themselves a little too much and just let their foot off the gas pedal and just just let the just let the Knicks absolutely punk them in the second half. And yeah, this was also the game where Sabonis got ejected by quote unquote aggressively approaching a ref. And then he also got suspended one game because of this, which was bullshit because Julius Randle, ironically, like in this game, not, not in this game, but like in multiple games, like shoved the ref. There was one game where he literally like put hands on a ref, not, not intentionally, but he literally like shoved a ref out of the way. And then like, there are many more instances of him like aggressively approaching a ref and not getting suspended but in the post game Sabonis said he he wasn't so much angry at the ref as more of he was angry that this was their third double digit lead that that they had blown in a row because in the Mavericks game they had a big lead in the Spurs game they had a big lead 
it, it was just he I, I get it he was frustrated and unfortunately he was he was ejected because of it ah uh, yeah I remember that and that was during time where it's like ah uh, uh, you know what never mind but yeah no okay uh, anyways I, I was hoping for some more English words uh, there but uh yes it was it was basically just this was this was the first like bad truly bad game of the Sabonis era like sure they had the Pelicans game before this but like I, I felt like they at least played hard and didn't give up in that game but in this game like they just this was like the Kangs the, the Kings culture had basically started to started to wear on Sabonis and like it started to show cracks and we're just thinking like he has two more year, years left on his contract like is he gonna is he gonna be able to rise above so Zach Harper talks about Anthony Edwards being wolf proof like this was kind of a test to see if Sabonis is Kang's proof and unfortunately he was not this game he tried he tried to bring them back but it was just it just wasn't enough and this was also during the time when uh, he had an interview with I forgot the guy from the Athletic. And it we was were, Sam Amick. Mm-hmm. And we were wondering, you know, what his thoughts were uh, ever since you know after this game. And you know, so far, good vibes so far. But you know, uh, after the two years, if nothing really happens, then you, you know for sure he's gonna request a trade. Oh, and one thing that um, has kind of come out, chances are Sabonis will not be signing an extension because it's it's what's probably going to end up being called the Zach Levine rule. But basically what happens is, remember how Sabonis is on a cheap contract, relatively cheap, 18 million? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically he won't extend because in an extension, he can only earn 120% of that of that contract which is somewhere in the 20 billions i don't have the math in front of in front of me but basically that's the max that he can get per year so basically he's going to wait he's gonna wait till free agency to re-sign with the kings if he's gonna re-sign with the Kings. so yeah um yeah. take your take your guys's blood pressure medication because it's gonna get it's gonna get dicey around that time yeah so, you know don't don't freak out if he doesn't sign an extension but do freak out because he could leave <laughs> but you know uh anyways yes so this was kind of the first sign of just the kang's culture getting to sabonis and we'll, you know time will tell was this the first was this the first like instance where he basically sabonis was like this this ain't this ain't for me hey i mean two years is a long time and i we i still believe in monty i mean once we find the right coach once we find the right pieces, I think he'll change his mind. That's my opinion. I feel like he will. I was stay. gonna be. A, I was gonna be a dick. Then Vivek's like, let's hire Mark Jackson. Oh my gosh! <laughs> if I swear, if Vivek fiddles with anything with the Kings, I'd be very pissed. As usual. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the coaching search in a bit. But uh, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, Randall had 46 and 9. Barrett Barrett had a really good game. Really, like quiet, relatively quiet 29 points. But he was really good this game. 29, 8, and 6. Quickly had 27, 6, and 4. And 11 free throws. The only person on the team that really shot free throws. Like one amazing thing about Randall's game. Only two free throws. 
yeah, I mean, he kept on hitting threes, eight for 16, even though he wasn't having a great offensive game in the first half. But that second half, he turned up real hot. Real, real hot. And it, yes, this was in the same vein as the Lakers game. It, the, the worst thing about this game was that you saw what the Kings could do. To, to like to this team like they absolutely destroyed them you were on that we were on the highest of highs we were feeling ourselves like just oh my god this king's team is actually good same same thing in the lakers game and then all of a sudden they just come crashing down on the kings just they just forget how to play basketball and just get absolutely pumped on their home floor mind you <sighs> yeah Okay, uh, so I assume like you're you're out of games. Uh, I have a bunch of honorable mentions, um, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll go through some of them. Uh, so OKC, so this was a game where the Kings were up 18th in the third at, in the 520 mark. They end up losing when Lou Dort rips <laughs> rips De'Aaron on and then gets a game-winning layup. And this was also a game where the Kings gave up a lot of so they they gave up 16 offensive rebounds and 18 second chance points. And according to Andrew Schlecht uh, from Down to Dunk, who works for The Athletic, like Luke was on the sideline constantly screaming at the players to box out. So this was kind of where I was, where I always thought Luke was not the problem. He was telling these guys to do, to do certain things and it was the right idea. It's just the players didn't do it. And yes, I think, I think Luke Dort had like five offensive rebounds. I don't remember. He had a few offensive rebounds and they were all crucial. Um, game was a bit of a break fest. King shot forty percent and thirty three four or thirty four percent from the from uh, from three. They did make four more threes than the Thunder, but Thunder had four more field goals. Thunder was weren't immune to you know bad offense. Forty two percent from the field and thirty three percent from three. Kind of how they're kind of just how their uh, roster is, is designed because you know they want to tank. They don't want too many guys that can actually hit shots. Uh, yeah. Were they thinking about taking this early too? I mean, like you look at the roster, like it's not a team that's meant to win. Although, like they they did their best to like you know scare scare their general manager and actually start winning games. But like they, I mean, the way they built their roster, they were they're trying to take. They're not mm-hmm. really trying to win games. I see, because it seemed like we we had a relatively similar. Um, standing at the uh, at the time where uh we were i believe what i think we were higher we were in the playoff hunt they were not i think at this point the 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 okc i think only had two wins and both of them weirdly enough was against the lakers but uh yeah i, I don't think they were that that good at that point mm, I see. Th- and yes this was the start of the road trip from hell where everything fell apart we were supposed to go four and oh it was san antonio OKC, uh, I believe, yeah, Pistons, and then Timberwolves. It it was the it was kind of like a run where we were supposed to go four and zero, and we ended uh. up going one for three. So, yeah, it was bad, and unfortunately, that was where things started to unravel. Yeah, I actually remember that we tried to make predictions of uh, how our road trip would be. I, pre- I'm pretty sure I said three and one. I mean, of course, we always want to go four. You got the numbers right. Just the, the other way around. <laughs> yeah, the other way around. Sadly enough. 
yeah, yeah, Kings actually have better stats all across the board, but those offensive rebounds were what killed them. Fox was 5 of 14 for this game. Like, not good. 2 for 7 from 3, which is actually surprising. He didn't shoot well. Like, I, I thought he didn't he didn't shoot well, like, to begin the season. Halliburton was 3 for 13 and 2 for 6 from 3. Yeah, they struggled to be impactful and efficient. Like, they did, Shea didn't shoot well this game, but he was impactful. And Lou Dort, you know, did his thing. Like, he, he usually doesn't score in the 20s, but, like, he would, you know, he he kind of took De'Aaron out of the game. Like, one of the best defenders in the league. And, yeah, and scored the game-winning layup. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Another honorable mention against Charlotte in Charlotte uh, at, on December 10th. So, this was a game where uh, they, the Hornets were missing LaMelo Ball and Mason Plumley, And, basically, a good portion of their starting lineup. I don't have all the guys on there, but yes, they were missing a lot of guys due to COVID and the Kings were basically all healthy and they go into this game. Nobody was really playing defense. It was a high scoring game. And at the end, um, the, the Charlotte Hornets, I think it was Caleb Martin or Cody Martin. I don't, I don't remember which one, but Cody, yeah. Cody, sorry. Yeah. Cody Martin stupidly fouls Fox while they, while they were up one and they were in the bonus and so De'Aaron has a chance for two free throws to go up to win the game. De'Aaron proceeds to miss both free throws and they lose the game. And, you know, you know, if you want to get technical, apparently on the last two minute report, Marvin got fouled on, on the rebound too, but they didn't call it because shrug. Um, <laughs> yes. So unfortunately a very good game. I think at 34 points, like De'Aaron had a very good game. It's unfortunately capped off by missing just two free throws and people won't remember that he had a good game, but just not just, yeah, just the kind of a soul crushing loss because you, again, this was a depleted ass team that really didn't have that many, that really didn't have that many players. And like you had a healthy roster and you just didn't take advantage by just crushing them and just coming out strong and just do taking care of business. Um, Halliburton had five field goals, all threes. I thought that was interesting. Uh, Buddy was six for 19 and two for 10 from, th- from three. He was kind of worse than what that sounds. He was awful on defense. And for and this was kind of the thing where I was like really annoyed at Alvin for playing a, a Buddy heel way too damn much because the other guy, Terrence Davis, he was pretty good this game. I, I know he didn't shoot that well, but he was good. And like, he probably just just played more. Uh, over buddy but instead they just play it just alvin just insisted on playing buddy this game and kind of cost them the game in a way because this defense was really bad uh marvin had had 15 10 uh six offensive rebounds like he was really good this game book knight however <laughs> had his best game of the season six for eight for three six for eight from three for 24 points and th- those six threes was worse okay so he had six threes this game he only made 17 all threes all season and he, and he made six here jeez that's already half <laughs> yeah oh, so you know some some play i mean like some players just circle the kings and he might be he might be one of those kings killers like in, in the future and just a guy that's just gonna be amped up to play the kings and will just will just play well uh, gee uh, well, another tip is uh, what you would call it. The two free throws that Fox uh, ended the game with were the only misses he had the whole game. He yes. had eight for ten. Man, again, just a great game. 
up until those two free throws. It really, it's really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they, again, it's just they they needed to take care of business. Play play a little bit of defense, and you might have won this game for all we know. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, by the way, I really like Book Knight. I, I was actually advocating for them to draft Book Knight, but apparently he has a knee issue. And uh, oh, apparently there's like no cartilage in there. Not good. Mm. I mean, I was pretty high on Moody, but I haven't, I haven't seen much of Moody. I mean, since they're already in the playoffs. He's he's coming along. And like the reality is he's just young. They're, they're just going to they're going to slowly bring him uh, mm-hmm. along. And, you know, they don't need him right now. You see, but he's going he's going to play a role like there's even some talk. They might actually like him more than Kaminga to a certain degree. Ooh, what? Huh. Just because he's like he's going to be a role player. Like uh-huh. Moody, for the most part, he's probably not going to be not going to be a star. That was kind of like the that was kind of the thing about him coming into the trap. But Kaminga is going to be a star, and right now I was surprised that he played the role as well as he did. But like he's he makes a lot of mistakes. He's a mm. bit erratic, and Moody is a bit more of a safer option, ironically. Well, probably under their system in a few years. I mean, he'll shape up into something. Yeah, I mean they they have a bridge to the future. Kaminga's good. This he's got to iron out some of his some of like the inefficiencies, and you know like I was surprised he played his role as well as he did. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, my next one uh, against the Hawks. So same thing as the Charlotte game. This one this one in the Golden One Center. Hawks were missing Trey Young, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, and Bogey, and pro- possibly more. I, I just could, I just didn't look that deep into who they were missing but like those were those were the four big players that they were missing and again the kings had a basically a fully healthy roster and they didn't take advantage um another one of those defense optional games um not, not one thing me and you remember her kevin herter literally finished every single layup around the basket i don't know how he did it he he never he just didn't miss from the he just didn't miss like around the rim yeah i remember <laughs> it's like the red sea out there uh, yeah, absolutely no defense in the paint. Wait, who was the? We had Damon Jones and Alex Len. We didn't have Rashawn at the time, and I guess that played a role. But I mean, still, our our defense within the paint and whatnot is just not so great. <laughs> it, it was an overall fun game, but like it was just like you know they played a little bit more deep, just a little bit more defense. They probably win this game again. It was a depleted ass Hawks team. Like you could, yeah, you didn't take advantage. That was the most frustrating part. Uh, the law right played really well against us, forty minutes, and uh, yeah, just looking at that, really wish we didn't uh, make that trade because I think I think Tristan Thompson played eight minutes this game. Did yeah. he even play at all? I felt like he didn't play much. I, I, I think on the box where I think it said he had eight minutes. Let me just check. Really Let's see. Quickly. It said six minutes. Six minutes. So there you zero go. for two, zero points, four rebounds. One steal, one block. Yeah, that trade was worth it. <laughs> and, well, and, sorry, go ahead. No, well, we're a pretty guard heavy team at the moment, so well, we're also actually, a center heavy team too. So <laughs> yeah. in one one way, you know, one is probably more important than the other. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, next game versus the Rockets on uh, January 16th. So I kind of, I kind of like was was struggling to decide whether I should put this or this game or the Pistons game as the most disappointing loss. But I think I think the Pistons was a lot worse. But this was pretty bad too, just because 
you shouldn't lose to a team like the Rockets. Now they're tanking. They have talented guys, but they're young. They make mistakes. And again, you're you're not a young young team, but like you're you're somewhat you know a savvier team. You're so, you're an older team. You should know what you're doing, like to be able to you know punk these young Rockets. But they didn't. And yeah, they come out. They start out the game really bad. While they did fight back, and the game went back and forth from there, like in the second and third quarters, and even the fourth quarter, they just couldn't put the Rockets away. And it—I just always go back to it. Like when you start to get a little bit of an advantage, you start to get a little bit of momentum. You got to go for the kill, and they did. Hell, they didn't even do it like later on in the season. So it's—it's it's just they just can't. They just don't have it in them. Uh, Fox was ejected in the fourth quarter after a uh, flagrant two foul on Garrison Matthews. Like he basically like knocked the ball, tried to go for the ball, but ended up like basically causing Garrison Matthews to fall like flat on his back. And I didn't think it was a dirty foul. It was a it was a hard foul, but I didn't think it was any ill intent. But there was a flagrant two. He was ejected, and uh, yeah, the Kings end up losing this game. Yeah. Without that, we probably had a chance to win. I think uh, we win if he was in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just a wild guess. Yeah, but overall, Rockets did. Uh, uh, Rockets started played pretty well. Uh, there's also Garrison Matthews with you know five free throws that attributed to his 17. But yeah, if Fox was in, definitely would have won. Other than that, like both sides played pretty well in my opinion. Yeah, but like again against a young team like you know that, that makes a lot of mistakes like take advantage of them and just put and just put them just like again end it early so you don't have to worry about like late in game where things could go one way or the other like mm-hmm. it's just one of those things you needed to take care of business and they did um lot oh go ahead oh no was this also the game where sean uh, had to go out with an uh, injury I don't remember actually. That because, I don't remember. Because he only played about 15 as a starter. And then we played, you know, Damian Jones and Alex Lynn about 13 minutes uh, respectively. Yeah, I'm not sure actually. Maybe. I don't remember. The, but yeah, there, there was a weird stretch where like he didn't play a lot of minutes before mm-hmm. the Sabonis trade. But mm-hmm. uh, just quick shout out to Buddy. Buddy did have 27 points on 9 of 16 and 5 of 9 from 3. I don't remember if he was good though. Yeah. Not really. I don't think. But four steals, that's that's something, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last game on the honorable benches. I know it's a lot of games. There, was, there were a lot of bad games this season. Okay. Uh, Pelicans. So this game was a big game for the Kings. If they were serious about like making the play-in, they were in a dogfight for most of the first half with the Kings only trailing by four at, at halftime. But unfortunately, a really bad drought in the third quarter and the, the Kings just couldn't hit shots. Uh, it kind of doomed them and the Pelicans took advantage and by taking like a double digit lead and never looking back. And the Kings just never threatened after that, after the midway point in the third. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the normal uh stuff from the Kings. Uh, let's see, Brandon Ingram, 33 points. Pretty much all the starters from the Pelicans play pretty well. Uh, in terms of Kings, I can't remember too much of their offense flowing too well in my opinion. I mean, like, here's the thing in that third quarter. Like, I thought they got decent enough shots. They just didn't go down. And it, it just, like, and then, like, 
when you get, when you don't make shots, sometimes your your offense infects your defense a little bit, and they just kind of let the floodgates open. That's what I felt happened. Some people were like saying like they kind of gave up. I don't feel they did, but this was definitely like the first sub bonus game where like you felt like the spirit of the team was like because up to up to this point, like even against like the Bulls the previous game, like they fought to the bitter end. But like they kind of, but they really did. Like they, basically, they started to look dejected, like in the fourth when they just couldn't make make that run. Yeah. Um, uh, what one thing? Oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. But like one thing, I I'll say why I again I'll, I'll keep pushing this note. Why I want Davion to start next to De'Aaron. Brandon Ingram. I forgot how many points he had in the first, but it was like twenty something, and he ended with what you said thirty three. So, like whatever, eight points in the second half, and a lot of that was because De'Aaron was on him. And De'Aaron, I thought, did an okay enough job, like on him, and like he might be, pre- he might be better at guarding wings than he is guarding guards. Mm, I see. So yeah, Brandon Ingram ended with 24 in the first half, mm. and uh, in the third quarter, Sabonis shot the most, but only made one field goal, one for six, which is interesting because it, if I remember correctly, they did double him a lot in the second half. And again, like he'll 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 make the pass, but guys just couldn't make shots. Oh yeah. So, um, so th- also this was an interesting little tidbit. So after this game, the Kings were this was the first game of a back to back against the uh, New Orleans and the Spurs. Apparently, they had mechanical issues and they couldn't fly out to San Antonio, and ended up having to go back to the hotel and flying the next day. That's notable because uh, NBA usually doesn't allow. Sin- like same day flights, like basically for the team to fly on the same day to play a play a game, but an exception was made, and you know the Kings basically were really like tired, like they were stuck in the airport up until like 2 a.m. before they went back to the hotel, and they didn't get to San Antonio until like the afternoon of like the game. So it was so they had a lot of excuses, let's just say, to kind of lay an egg in the next game, but in, against San Antonio. But they ended up pulling it out. Granted, they blew like a 19-point lead, but still, like be, to be able to pull that game out the way they did, that was impressive. Yeah, that's pretty crazy, man. Straight out of the game, off to the <laughs> airport, then next morning practice. Well, they didn't get to practice because they just they didn't have time. Mm. So. Yeah, impressive from the Kings. Oh yeah. Okay, with that uh, out of the way, the the worst losses. Uh, let's get to maybe some positivity. So the Kings, um, it came out uh, earlier this week that. The Kings basically now have scheduled a bunch of interviews with uh, potential coaches. Some are, some were, uh, are what former head coaches, and some are actually assistant coaches right now on playoff teams. So, yes, they've uh, secured permission to interview those assistants, and also they've scheduled, yeah, again, uh, interviews with former head coaches such as Mark Jackson, Mike D'Antoni. Steve Clifford. The assistants are Mike Brown, Charles Lee, Darvin Ham, and Will Hardy. Now, uh, we know about Mark Jackson. He's the you know hand down, man down, Mister Catchphrase uh, on what is it? Uh, ESPN. On, uh, not, is it ESPN? I thought he was more ABC, like national games. Mm, it might be now that you mention it. 
uh, Mike D'Antoni, the architect of the seven seconds or less offense, uh, and also like just about should probably should have won the 2018 championship. Uh, basically, a an offensive genius, uh, offensive revolutionist, uh, whatever you like to call it. Steve Clifford, while not the most impressive uh, resume, he coached uh, Charlotte and got them to 56 wins, uh, coached the Orlando Magic, brought them to the playoffs as an eight or seven seed uh, for multiple years. But he's he's definitely a good coach. I would argue he just never really had that much talent to work with, would be my argument. Uh, or at least that's how I see him. Uh, Mike Brown, lead assistant in Golden State, and you know he was LeBron. He coached LeBron in his first stint in Cleveland. Uh, he went to the Lakers and then went back to Cleveland, and then has kind of settled into his role as you know lead assistant uh, in Golden State. Apparently, also the defensive coordinator, or a, not, he plays a big part in that defense. And you know I'm watching them play the Nuggets, and it's pretty good defense. Hmm. Now let's just theoretically say we pick Mike Brown. Do you think our defense will turn around? I feel like it take, it'll take a while and a, kind of a warning curve because this team, I can't see them playing that great of a defense. I I expect top maybe half maybe. Uh, that's I mean that's a tall order. We've been we've been top we've been top twenty once in in the last sixteen years. <laughs> or two two times. Sorry, but like you know it's it's gonna be a tough tough ask. It's about the talent. If you can get some defenders, like just one or two more, I think you got something. But as it stands right now with this roster, probably not. But like, at least you got a, at least you got a guy who can like theoretically craft something. Uh, would be, would be what I would be looking forward to. Same, same with Steve Clifford. You got Kemba and Jeremy Lin to play defense. Like, that's a, that's a real feat all on its own. Um, anyways. Uh, the more unknown assistants, Charles Lee, he's an assistant un, uh, under Mike Boonhoser right now. Uh, the most notable thing for him is that he's very young. He's only 37 years old. I believe he did play in the NBA very briefly. Um, and yeah, so he would be essentially, uh, essentially you are taking a risk with him to see if he can connect with the players and see if maybe he can motivate them to play better. Who knows? Um, Darvin Ham, uh, same another assistant under Mike Boonholzer. There's a lot of there's a lot of Mike Boonholzer uh, in this list. 48, 48 years old. Um, not again, not much is known. Was a player once, but he's kind of looking for a head coaching gig, you know, at some point. And he and you know again, he would be an interesting candidate. Like kind of a kind of like a. There's no real track record, but he would be someone you would be taking a risk on for sure. Same with Charles Lee. And also with Will Hardy, he's another, well, he's an assistant under Ime Yudoka in Boston right now, actually. You know, talk about crafting great defenses. You know, Boston, like shutting down Kevin Durant. Like, that's pretty good. That's not too bad. Uh, he is very young as well, 34 years old. Like, he'd be, what, 40 years older than Harrison Barnes. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he also uh, was under, I believe, Popovich for, what, 10 years? I think I read. That would be, a, that would, really? He's been, wow. Which? Pro probably because he was a video coordinator. I think, I remember one of the, I, I think it was him, but like, 
yeah, he started like out as a video video coordinator, a lot mm. like Spolstra in uh, in Miami. So that would be interesting. I mean, like again, take a stab in the dark. Like you know, this could turn into something. I would be interested. And again, if Boston has a very good defense, and I assume he has something to do with that. Mm, yeah, it'd be pretty interesting. So, out of the ones I've listed so far, which one would you be the most interested in? And just like, what would be your top picks? <laughs> Now, before I go on my top picks, a lot of people on Reddit, and I don't know about Twitter or whatnot, a lot of people are pretty high on Will Hardy, and I'm not sure why. I mean, again, young, under under Popovich, which, you know, has, like, had a huge, has a huge, like, line of coach, like, you know, coaches coming out of, like, that uh, family tree, if you will, that coaching mm-hmm. tree. Like, you have Becky Hammond, Mike Boonozer is from is from uh the the popovich coaching tree there's a lot of guys under that and you know popovich arguably the greatest coach of all time like there's a and you know he's again he, you know he's working under email doka right now like yeah i get it now going with my top i gotta say two for now i'm gonna take the risk on will hardy i think uh, a pretty young coach would uh, connect with the players well. Uh, I'm not sure about his other credentials besides, you know, being under Ime and uh, Pavlovich, which, you know, pretty high credentials, in my opinion, for being an assistant all these years and pretty young. And my other one would probably be either Mike Brown or Steve Clifford. I'm leaning a little towards Mike Brown. I, I like Mike Brown. And yeah, like, Again, he he's the one guy with a lot of experience out of this. I mean, Steve Clifford too, but like you know, Mike Brown has 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 had a lot of success. You know, again, you know, you can argue about the talent disparity, but like Mike Brown has has done it before. Like, you know, he's crafted great defenses, and you know, again, he's been a, he's been assistant, probably has learned a lot. Like, we always underrate these things. Like, coaches can learn and can evolve. Like, Jason Kidd. Like, look, going into this year, I thought him going to the Mavs would be an absolute disaster, but they have not been a disaster. Uh, They've been really good. So, like, you never know. Coaches can evolve. And, you know, who knows? Like, Steve Clifford might have evolved. Mike Brown probably has evolved. Like, they, it, it might work out. And, yeah, I, I do like the idea of Will Hardy. I actually really like the the two assistants uh, from Mike Boonehoser, Charles Lee, and Darvin Ham. Of course, we don't really have a track record, but you hear good things about him. And, you know, you know, maybe inject some youth, maybe get, maybe just get a, like a more, I guess, just a, just a fresh face, like someone who's just, ha- who has a lot more ideas that they can throw around and, you know, see what it turns into, like develop with this relatively young team. Mm, yeah, it'd be pretty interesting who we choose because, I mean, Knowing the Kings is not, it's probably going to be not someone that we expect, to be honest. Okay, uh, one last thing before I ask you, like, uh, my final question. Uh, Kenny Atkinson is not on this list because, well, there's no real, there's no real conf- confirmed reason why. Maybe he just wasn't interested, but he is not on this list, if you were wondering. Yeah, I, I saw that no, And which is, which is too bad, but, you know, there's <laughs> other candidates that uh, fit the role as much or, you know, maybe better than Kenny. Well, maybe he's just not interested in becoming a legend in the city. So. <laughs> um, well, okay, so here, here's a question I have for you. Like, let, let's do tiers. Let's not even do like ranks. 
where do like let's so i have like three i have two tiers basically or you know you know three tiers let's just say steve clifford's in the second tier like mike brown um mike brown's in my first tier will hardy like will hardy charles lee and darvin ham those guys are in my second tier actually just because uh-huh. they're just because they're unknowns and uh-huh. you know you are taking a bit of a risk tier three is probably mike d'antoni and mark jackson and honestly should probably put mark jackson tier four but um <laughs> What what are your thoughts on Mike D'Antoni? I don't know. I, if I remember correctly, I think we were trying to get him years back, but that's years ago. Uh, with his kind of coaching, it can work theoretically, but I mean, our defense is pretty trash. Unless we get assistance that can, you know, benefit from that. But other than that, I mean, I feel like. The, his kind of offense uh, run by the Kings at the moment. Uh, I don't think we should be pushing for that. That kind of f- fast pace. Uh, you said seven second type offense. Uh, yeah, I'd rather focus on more a more well rounded um, style of play, so we could you know focus a little more on defense. And you know our offense already seems pretty standardized. Just needs a few more plays to get it perfected. Yeah, I mean, like, although I, I would think, like, with Mike D'Antoni, you would juice up the de- offense even more. And it does get to a certain point where your offense is so good, defense might not matter. Like, you know, your offense is so good, you take so many good shots, you're actually better in, you're actually get uh, like, in better position to defend in transition. I know the transition defense has been really bad. Like, the hope is that your your offense is just so well run. Like, maybe you, you get better, better in transition and, you know, like, it, it, it's just passable enough in the regular season to get you in the playoffs. Like, I like Mike D'Antoni is an offensive genius, and he no doubt would help this offense. I wouldn't hate it if it was him. However, the one thing I keep hearing, and ESPN 1320 was really on this. What what do you think of Mike about Mike D'Antoni's age? Oh, I actually do not remember his age. I remember we were talking about this. Uh. I'm going to assume that he's the oldest out of all of these, <laughs> which yes, I, I didn't yeah. know he was as he, he's 71. Oh, that is, that is, that is really granted Popovich. I think is about the 72 and he might keep going, but like that's, that is old. And like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be ages or anything, but that is like a bit of a concern. Like, you know, is he going to retire in the next few years? Like, and but Dan Tony, weirdly enough, as long as he's been coaching, doesn't really have a coaching tree. Doesn't have a, really have a successor uh, behind him either. So, like, what, what do you think of that? Like, just just the age factor. Well, the age factor, yeah, I could see why it's a turnoff. Uh, I actually don't know how <laughs> how long coaches uh, can coach because I mean we should search it. So who who was the oldest uh, coach? Well, that doesn't matter. They, I mean they're just gonna keep going. But I think Popovich mm-hmm. might have the record anyways. I see, but yeah, I could see Mike Mike uh, retiring eventually. Uh, was about to say where is he currently actually? He so he's actually not working. It's, uh, he was a consultant for uh, the Brooklyn Nets last year, and you know, with him departing, like th- there is a there is a bit of a noticeable dip in Brooklyn's offense. Granted, they were without Kyrie for a lot of them, but like still, he, he definitely had an effect last year. Uh, you know, just on their offense, he was a he, I think he was an assistant, and 
I be, I don't know if he's still. I, I, yeah, I think he. I think he left this year. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. At this point, I'd rather go with a younger coach uh, and see where that goes. Like you said, sparking new ideas. We kind of already understand what kind of offense um, Mike D'Antoni has uh, in store. Uh, especially, you know, knowing uh, the Kings and how much we watch the Kings, and you could kind of imagine how the offense can be run under him. But yeah, <laughs> that age seems a little seems a little much. I mean, uh, for Greg, man, I'm still surprised he's still uh, coaching all these years. Some people just love it. Like, you can't put a price on just being happy. Sometimes. I guess he's happy doing it. I think he. I think he likes like teaching young guys who actually listen. Like it gets to a point where you coach a lot of veterans and like uh, you know, what's veteran teams where like they kind of know they they stop kind of listening. Like let's be honest. Like Tim Duncan is an exception, but like it gets to a point where you know you know it's the same guy. Like yeah yeah we know ball movement all that all that shit whatever. I'm gonna do my thing. I think it's I think it's just cool for him to teach young guys who are just going who are actually going to listen to him. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be pretty interesting to see, but I would put him at the same tier as you put him in tier three. What about okay? So let, let's get to Mark Jackson real quick. Like Mark Jackson, <laughs> like look, let the personal stuff. Like he, he's not he's not he's not a, he's not an angel by any means. Uh, he's He's a, there's a weird thing. There's a weird history of the stuff that he's did. Like, you know, politicking uh, when, when he was on the jazz, trying to get basically, uh, basically trying to oust, uh, oust John Stockton of all people in Utah. Like it's just playing politics in the locker room like that. And, you know, just the weird stories come from Golden State while he was there. Like, you know, taking to, taking stuff to a church and just like apparently using holy water to heal his ankle injury. Okay. Um, <laughs> also, just also being heavily religious and heavily anti anti you know anti LGBT. Um, you know, in San Francisco of all people, in the Bay Area of all places, like is it's not a it's not a great history. However, as a coach. There is no denying that he he basically turned he he turned the uh he turned the Warriors around because that you know people forget they were right there with the Kings in terms of a franchise like at that time like you had some young guys but you had nobody to really like you know bring it all together and he got them to play defense and the, he turned them into a bit of a defensive juggernaut and it, and you know for you know I guess fortunately for them it actually transferred like it carried over like to Steve Kerr, but he was the architect of building that defense and creating an identity for them. So like, you know, I, I get it. Like, I'm not a fan of the off the court stuff. And he, again, he's still like tier three, tier four for me, but like it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I think if he did hire Mark Jackson and of course, like, as I said, if, if Sabonis says, I want Mark Jackson, you're hiring Mark Jackson. Uh, yeah, I mean he's bottom tier list for me, but it it really does come down to the players. And I understand Sabonis may want Mark Jackson, but I, I feel... don't think Sabonis wants Mark Jackson. It's just a theory. I'm just theory. I'm just like speculating. Some maybe Fox wants Mark Jackson for some reason. 
but oh. like you know Sabonis like he's been through asshole coaches and Mark Jackson has been known to be an asshole and again I think you lose Harrison Barnes if you hire Mark Jackson yeah Harrison did not have a great time under Mark Jackson yeah I mean as long as the players agree and would follow Mark Jackson's like coaching I'll be fine with it but other than that if they don't then yeah don't even consider okay um steve clifford like he's uh, i guess i i'll be interested like again defensive coach again you need some more defensive talent mike brown probably be would be my number one choice just because he has the experience and you just and you just mentioned a lot of kings fans are very high on will hardy and you know darvin ham charles lee to varying degrees like I'd be okay with most, pretty much all these hires. Like the Mike D'Antoni would be a little, would be kind of eh. I just don't know about the long-term viability of having um, Mike D'Antoni and Mark Jackson is, you know, in a tier of his own. So, but like, you know, it, it seems like with this new, since firing Vlade, the, the Kings have seemingly kind of had a decent enough process. You ended up getting Monty McNair out of their, out of their, um, GM search or president of basketball operations search, whatever you want to say. Like ultimately, like they seem to have done things the right way as thus far. And I hopefully like this is the case as well. Like going through an extensive search, granted, like, you know, it seems to be pretty quick how they came out came out with this list. But still, like that's pretty I'm I'm trusting in the process right now. What about you? Yeah, I'm gonna trust the process. <laughs> Uh, it is probably gonna take you know a year or two to uh, I want to say perfect, but you know get get more steps in from where we're at right now. I don't even know. Well, like I don't know if the fan base can actually take an entire year. I think like by mid season, like you're hoping for some sort of you know Willie Green type effect on the Pelicans or like you know Ime Adoga. Like don't forget, Boston was like very fra- a very fragile team like mentally. At the beginning of the year, they were having players meetings a month into the season. You know, Pelicans were in the shitter like about a month into the season, and they managed to turn it around. So, like, you never know. Like, it might take a little bit. I think it'll take about around mid-season for everything to kind of put into place, and hopefully, like, they come together and just you know make a, make a little bit of a run t- towards the playoffs, and maybe hopefully make it. Yep, I guess we shall see. Okay. Well, that's all there is for the uh, coaching search. Let's do a quick update on the playoffs. So, uh, so the Denver, the Denver Warriors game just ended. Um, that was that was pretty cool to see Denver get one game. I swear to God, there were more Warriors fans in there than there were Nuggets fans, which that's surprising. But um, yeah, so what? So I guess the most interesting thing. Uh, the most interesting series to me, or like the interesting result, is that the Nets are now down, now down 3-0 to the uh, to the Boston Celtics. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I actually didn't expect this, but you know, after watching videos and you know highlights, man, they are walking Durant down. <laughs> Other than that, like the rest of the team needs to support, which in some ways they are, but I mean. Their defense is pretty top-notch. Yeah, like, I mean, the, the ability, like, I would never, like, that was the one thing coming in with the Nets. Like, you're not going to stop Kyrie. You're not going to stop KD. Well, they've managed to limit KD, like, pretty much, like, Jason Tatum. 
I've never really liked him all that much, but like he is like I wouldn't say he's like on Durant's level, but like he's defended Durant so well. And then on offense, like he is like the the, the number one guy. The, the, he's the guy drawing double teams. He's the guy that's like you know creating a lot of shots. Even when he's not shooting well, he's still having an effective game. Like he is about he is basically a maybe just a tier, like half a tier below with Durant right now in terms of superstar. Because he's doing superstar shit on offense and defense. He's out there putting Durant in a straitjacket. Like, it's incredible. Yeah, it's probably one of the first times I've seen Durant get blocked uh, this many times from, you know, the three games in the series, too. And, you know, he Durant's a pretty tall guy with a big wingspan. And rarely you get to see Durant get blocked the way uh, Tatum does to him. Yeah, and it's not just Tatum. Like, Jace, like, Jay Lynn is, like, you know, blocking him, too. It's incredible what they're doing. Like, he's not getting anything easy. And, of course, like, the role players. Like, you know, I had said this this team, like, is dog shit on defense. Like, it, but I just thought the offense would carry them just enough to, you know, be able to pull out the series. And, of course, that game one win, like, or that game one, like, where the Nets basically just blew the game at the end, like, yeah that that's that came that's really coming back to kind of haunt them like if they won that game one like things could be a very different but ultimately like it looks like they're getting swept and ben simmons is not coming back for game four not that i honestly ever like expected him to come back but like maybe maybe this is a next season thing like i don't know if they could fix a lot of these things but like they're probably gonna have to like you know figure out they're probably gonna have to make some trades because like their offensive players are all tiny and like they probably just need to consolidate a trade and somehow get a wing in there and you know i don't i don't know about kessler edwards i don't know about the the young guys like cam thomas i don't think has played so it's like i don't know what they're gonna do and they're probably gonna sign uh re-sign Kyrie on a max most likely we'll see what happens uh but yeah i mean it's i mean that's really unexpected for me yeah me too i mean i thought brooklyn would at least go 4-1 against boston i think that's what we predicted or i predicted i forgot i i was predicting like six game seven game and nets so because mm-hmm. they, they didn't have robert williams and robert williams is is pretty big like in terms of like their scheme but they don't they're they're just so solid so good like as a team like it doesn't even matter and yeah kudos to them for turning it around oh yeah uh, Miami and Atlanta, like, you know, Atlanta managed to get, get a game. Like, Bogey played, Bogey played well there. They're a dangerous team. Like, I don't think Atlanta, I don't think the Hawks are beating Miami, but, like, they're going to give Miami a, a run for their money because their offense is so explosive. And, you know, Trey Young, just an offensive genius, just an absolute, you know, just amazing. And he's going to get a few games. And, I mean, if they beat Miami somehow, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, man, he's beaten, like, all the Titans. Well, not all the Titans, but, like, he's beaten New York, he's beaten Philadelphia, and he's beaten Miami. And he's been the villain in every single one of these cities. Yeah. I mean, if it weren't for him, I would expect a sweep, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but, yeah, from here on now, I'm, I feel like this will become more of a six game series like you said um with miami winning still <laughs> look at milwaukee and chicago milwaukee lost game two and the bulls looked like they were they were gonna make this a fight and then the bucks basically just kicked them straight in the dick 
Oh yeah. And with these next two, they just won in Game Four, like with a 20, 24 point blowout. So like mm-hmm. in Chicago, you know, going back to Milwaukee. So the the, the big thing is uh, Chris Middleton is probably going to miss the series, but it looks like they'll pull that out anyways. But it's it's about the Bucks going forward. Like without Middleton, uh, who would they face in the next series? Let me see. It's they, either Boston or Brooklyn. Oh, that's going to be tough without Middleton. It's going to be really tough. Granted, Giannis is kind of the matchup breaker. They don't really have a guy for it. I mean, I guess you can put Robert Williams and Al Horford on him and, and you know, try the team defense. We'll see how that goes. But, like, that might be tricky. That might be tricky. Like, you know, Giannis is a one-man is a one man army all by himself. And let's see if he can, like, carry them past Boston. Yeah, that'd be a pretty interesting game. I'm pretty more excited for that game than uh... – Another couple games in the East, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I think uh, they could double Giannis in most, well, not most, maybe some possessions. And, you know, probably Giannis will be drawing a lot of fouls for the rest. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention Kyle Lowry is going to be out for game four against uh, against the Hawks. Or, yeah, game four against the Hawks. Maybe that changes the series. We'll see. Like Miami is another one of those teams where I think that the team concept will be enough to carry them through. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, if Trey Young isn't shooting well, like that's going to be tough. Um, Sixers versus Toronto. Uh, Toronto managed to get one game, but I, I mean, this is pretty much over. Like 3 1. Joel Embiid hit like a fadeaway three that was absolutely amazing to win the game in mm-hmm. game three. So, like, they're gonna, I think they're going to put this one away. I mean, they're going to face what? They're going to face who's number one seed? Oh, Miami. Miami. That's going to be, well, assuming it's Miami. Assuming, yeah. Or are they going to be? Are they going to face the Hawks? Are they going to avenge last year? But like, I, I, let, let, let's not let's not speculate too much. I, like, I, I think Sixers will win this series, but we'll have to wait to see what the Miami and Hawks series turn into. But mm-hmm. like, the storylines are amazing. Like again, the redemption maybe against the Hawks. Like you know, Jimmy Butler what, like left the Sixers and go to Miami. Like, is is Jimmy Butler just going to punk Joel Embiid mentally? Like, who knows? Yeah, I guess we shall see. Um, Western Conference, Phoenix Suns, um, New Orleans. New Orleans put up a great fight in game three. Like, you know, granted, they lost that game, but like they they fought to the bitter end against uh, the Phoenix Suns without Devin Booker, who's going to be out for two to three weeks, which is devastating. Do you think New Orleans has a has a chance at this series at all? Uh, I feel like they'll win one or two more games. Other than that, I think Phoenix can pull it off somewhat. It's just going to be a pretty close game from here on out, I think. So it's going to go to a game seven in Phoenix? I, I feel like it. Game six or seven. With really? P- wow. Potentially Phoenix winning. Well, since you said game six or seven, I'm just going to say five games. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, like, it, I mean, it's tricky without Devin Booker, but I think I think they can pull it out with what Chris Paul was able to do at the end of Game Three, just completely control the game the way he did. I think they'll pull it out, no problem. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll see. They'll, they'll probably like New Orleans probably wins one more game, like just and then losing Game Six. But you know, good on New Orleans for pushing them to the brink like this. Oh yeah, uh, Grizzlies versus Timberwolves, two two. Now, of course, uh, the Timberwolves blew two 25-point leads, um, two 25-point 25, 25 leads in Game 3, and ended up blowing that game. 
but they came back strong in game four and managed to win and managed to win that game. So I mean who'd you who'd you pick? I think you picked Timberwolves, right? Yeah, I'm still rooting for Timberwolves to win this series. <laughs> Interesting. Because I, you because you picked the Timberwolves, I'm gonna probably root for the Grizzlies, even though I don't really like the Grizzlies all that much. But uh I think I think yeah. it's I think it's Grizzlies in seven. Yeah, I think I said Minnesota in like four or five, which is at this point pretty ridiculous. Yeah, you were wild. You were wilder. You were yeah, <laughs> but I think Minnesota in seven. Minnesota in seven. Wow. Do you trust in Cap? Because that's what that is what the series will turn into. I know. I know. It's like every other game, Cat does well, but that's all. That's always a toss-up when it comes to those games. He could play well. But then <laughs> Memphis can like pull off the win, so it all comes down to Cat and how the rest of the team does, and especially Cat. He has to play his hardest every single game from here on out. I think this will forever just how I see him. Um, hashtag just not a superstar. <laughs> he's just not a superstar. Just when such, he feels like it, <laughs> he's, he's well. Not when he feels like it. I don't think he has the capacity to actually bring it out. Every now and then it'll happen, but like unfortunately, that this team is going to rely on him against a good Memphis Grizzlies team, and he's not going to deliver. Like, sure, he delivered this one game with thirty-three points, good for him. But like, I just don't. I just think he's just like he's, he's just not a superstar. He's just a, he's, he whines, he does dumb shit, and just. And again, just the mentality of him, he just doesn't have it. Like, he's not hes not a killer. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. What is their next game? I yeah, guess. good luck uh, pitching, you know, good luck, you know, hopping on his bandwagon. So, yeah. I unfortunately, know. I think their I think their ceiling is limited by him, even though, even though, you know, I weirdly enough, Anthony Edwards is, is the best player out on that team. Even though, like, if you look at a talent-wise, it should be Cat, but he's not. He's just not. Oh, yeah. <sighs> okay. Anyways, uh, Warriors versus Nuggets. This is pretty much a done deal for the most part. I know the Nuggets won this game, but like it was close. And had Golden State make that one three like late, it would have been it would have been tough. It would have probably been a sweep. But you know, mm-hmm. Nuggets survive survive another day. Jokic had a good game. He did what he could, and yeah, I mean, it'll go back to the Golden State where I'm assuming they win in four or five. I mean. <laughs> Let's see, is Curry uh, currently starting now? No, he's coming off the bench. I think he's coming off the bench for game five, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I let him rest. I think. Yeah. I mean, starting, coming off the bench never truly matters because he's still playing big minutes anyways. Ah, uh, like, okay. I, I've never I understood the, the upset. Well, like, I, to a certain degree, I do. But I never understood, like, the internet's obsession with who's starting and who's not. Hmm. I including see. you by the way yeah yeah I, try I, to try to act try to be slick like oh no i never did that no you know you were doing the same <laughs> shit you know i was just wondering if he played big minutes or not i thought he was still you know getting cut uh in terms of minutes played no he's playing oh okay okay dallas versus utah tie 2-2 two, two. what do you think of this series uh, luca is back by the way so yeah which we talked about this his injury's still scary. It's still a little scary. Look, I'm I'm just saying, like, I'm not, I don't want it to happen. Look, I saw Kem Durant blow his Achilles. I really hope this doesn't happen. I think this is really stupid by the Mavs and Luca to actually come make him come back. Or not make him come back. He I know he wants to come back. 
I think the map should have protected him and just say, you're sitting out. I, we don't want you to blow your Achilles and ruin the future of our franchise. Do not just, I, I hope it doesn't happen, but whatever. He he was fine. He looked fine um, in game in game four. And hopefully like they can, they can um, hopefully everyone just stays healthy. Okay. That's all I'm hoping for. I don't actually really care who wins at this point, but you know, like just, just don't get hurt, please. Yeah. And you know, for between those two, I forgot who I chose before, but I think I think Dallas could pull it off in seven. I think you picked Jazz because we didn't know if Luka was coming back. That's you, are true. you confident sticking with that? I'm I'm gonna switch sides this time and say Dallas in seven. God damn it! I wanted I still want to pick with Dallas. Now that you pick Dallas, yeah. should I pick the Jazz? I I don't want <laughs> I didn't want the Jazz to win, but you know with Luka back. It can change. It changes the tide a lot, but man, oh man, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of afraid of that injury. What is that? Okay, okay, whatever. Uh, but like, I don't, I don't want to pick the Jazz. They're so fragile. Like, I have picked them to lose this series, like without Luca. Like, oh. and honestly, it was looking like that. To be honest, they, it looked, they looked terrible. Game three, Jesus Christ! I, I think they had the crowd booing them in a playoff game. Like I haven't seen that since Philly. Like, um, like, I don't know. Like, I guess maybe maybe Utah figures something out because if they don't, like, it's it's done in Game Six. Um, oh man. Yeah, you, I mean, you never know. It's you know what? I'll pick Utah. I'll pick Utah in seven. I don't think oh. it's gonna happen, but like. <laughs> Why not? Pick the pick Utah. Like maybe live to fight another day. Like you know, just maybe they finally get something. Maybe maybe Rudy Gobert will actually. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, catch the ball. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do actual offense? I don't know. <laughs> again, knows? again, paying forty million dollars, and I get the defensive things. I think he's actually a very good defensive player and a very versatile if you allow him to be. But on offense, he's no better than Damian Jones. In fact, I, I think he might be worse. And you're paying that dude forty million dollars. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so that's all I all I have on my uh, doc. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we call this an episode? Uh, I don't think so, but Ben Simmons isn't coming back this uh, time around, right? No, I don't think so. He's out for game four, and Lord knows it might not be a game five. So, Was it the back injury? Yes. Oh. That's what I, that's what I said. Like, it's a back injury. <laughs> like, what? And he had, I believe he had an epidermal, like, at some point. Granted, I don't really know what that means, but, like, from what I heard, you have an epidermal. It's pretty bad. Uh, I mean, anything related to back, like, we've had back injuries one way or another, and it really stunts everything that you do in your daily life. Yeah, and like, I, I tried playing basketball with a hurt back. I couldn't really, I couldn't really move properly. Like, it's, it's just not something I would say you want to come off of and like, you know, maybe he, he I mean, the, the Nets are going to need him if they have any chance of I don't think they're going to come back, but like, you know, if they somehow come back from 3-0, like, he, they need another wing defender. And, I mean, he, he theoretically would be the answer, but like, is it even worth it to come back at this point and making the injury worse? I don't think so. So, like, mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he's done for the rest of the season and 
you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what the idea was for him to come back anyway. So you're coming back in the playoffs, not having like played a single game. Like, what were you expecting? Well, we'll see if he even comes back in the beginning of next season. <laughs> I think he'll be back by next season. I think it'll be fine. That'd be a pretty interesting team to see uh, with him in the lineup now. I mean, granted, like it's, man, like I mean, I I, I was a big advocate for getting Ben Simmons for the Kings. Yeah. But like just hearing everything about him, the dumb motherfucker. He's really fucking dumb. And like, it's, I guess I'm glad we don't we don't have to deal with that shit. Let's like, see. Is he? Oh, go sorry. On. Go ahead. Is he considered untouchable for Brooklyn? I don't know. I don't think so. Like, if something good... Well, the thing is, I don't know if they're going to get it. You're not going to get anything for Ben Simmons at this point. So yeah. I don't think so. I, mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he's untouchable. No one wants to touch him. It's more, <laughs> of, the, more of the situation. Mm, I see. Uh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. So if you don't have anything else, uh, let's call this an episode. It's been a long one. Um, hopefully you guys have enjoyed listening to it. And uh, I'll, hopefully I'll be coming. Well, I'll be coming back because Fong is gonna go on vacation because some, somehow he's all he he can go on vacation. Like, he ain't about that grind. Sadly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've well, been on a vacation in years. I need I need to take one. Uh, yeah, you should. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and then have Fong uh, Fong do solo episodes. Oh boy, yeah. I'll have to do it. I'll have to do it from the from the hotel room if, if we're doing that. But, um, yeah. So uh, the next episode, hopefully, I'll be covering some draft stuff. We'll see how it goes. I'm waiting on. So I've done some reading up on Shane Sharp. That's the guy that I'm really intrigued by, and I know both front offices are intrigued by too. But I, I definitely we'll definitely be talking about um, Chet and. Uh, Jabari and Paolo just a little early because you know once the lottery happens and we know our position and we don't get into the top four like what's the point about talking about him? They ain't gonna drop so like you know maybe maybe I'll talk about it with Fong maybe I'll do a solo episode on it but there will be something next week I'll, I'll see I'll see what happens maybe just you know come back for a playoff update for all we know um, yeah but yeah Which... the draft is coming is coming soon and I am I I'll, I do want to talk about Shane Sharp. I'm very I'm very intrigued by him. Hmm. Let's see. Would you pick him over the other three though? No. Uh, like if you if you end up getting like picked four or five or even like six, which you know if he's if he's available and you can't you can't get a John Collins like with a pick like in trade in a trade, I would I would kick the tires on Shane. Okay. Well, as long as he's available. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so nothing else? Nope. All right. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'll be coming back next week uh, with uh, something. Uh, probably just some, something relating to, hopefully something related to draft or maybe something weird happens. And maybe Kings have hired a coach by then. Like maybe they just go to the first interview and they're like, bam, you're the guy. <laughs> I actually hope that does not happen just because like, you know, process oriented. There's gonna there should be second, third interviews. And uh yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe there maybe there will be updates, but you know. If if there if it does if it does need it, I am more than happy to do an emergency episode. Mm-hmm. Well, Without Falk because he's gonna be on vacation doing things on vacation. I don't even know what taking a vacation is like anymore. 
Jeez. <laughs> COVID, uh, yeah, pretty that's, much. Yeah, that's a depressing statement. Yeah, uh, I, so, yeah, sounds like I need a vacation. Um, maybe I should be taking it. Why are you taking the vacation? What have you done? What have you done? <laughs> well, you should schedule one then. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys later. Bye.